0: And welcome to Unity Presbyterian Church Online. This week in worship, we're joined by the Reverend Dr. Byron Wade, who is the leader of our presbytery, as he brings us a special message about our possessions. Let's listen. The New Testament lesson be read from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 12, verses 13 through 21. Listen again for the word of the Lord. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But he said to him, Friend, who set me to be a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care, be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for one's life does not consist of the abundance of possessions." Then he told them a parable. The the land of a rich man produced abundantly. And he thought to himself, what should I do? For I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul? You have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life is being demanded of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves, but are not rich toward God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for one's life does not consist of the abundance of possessions. I must confess to you that I was born in South Central Los Angeles, and if you know anything about South Central Los Angeles, There was not a whole lot there. My family did not have a whole lot of of abundance of houses, cars, whatever the case may be, because we weren't rich. Now, what you see in this picture up here is definitely what I wanted, because I was jealous of all the people that I went to school with who lived in Bel Air and Beverly Hills and Brentwood, who lived by the beach cities and Manhattan Beach and Hermosa Beach and Redondo Beach. And they had homes and cars just like these. And I thought to myself, when I grew up, I wanted to have the same thing just as everybody else. But you know what really got me? My greatest possession, believe it or not, was just a simple sweatshirt. Now, you must be thinking, how do we go from this to a simple sweatshirt? Well, let me tell you the story about this. I had just finished my sophomore year in college in 1983. I was a student at Whitworth College in Spokane, Washington, and I was hired as a part of the summer staff for the Senate of Southern California Hawaii's camps. So there were four of us who were the lead counselors, and then we had a a lead counselor above us, and we went to three areas in Southern California to our campsites. And so we were responsible for everything that was going on with the camp, leading the junior counselors and the children that we were in charge of. But at the end of that summer, we had received white sweatshirts. And it was just a plain white sweatshirt with a hoodie, and it said, Staff 83. I wore that back to college. I wore it when I graduated from college. I wore it when I went to seminary in the early 1990s. I wore it everywhere I went. And you know how you wear something and it's so comfortable to you, you don't want to get rid of it? And then people ask you, man, your thing is all ripped up. And it was. You could just see that the numbers were starting, the staff and the, and the numbers were starting to come off. And then it started to get holes in it. You know how some kids wear the kids, they wear uh, pants and stuff with holes in them and shirts and stuff. That's what I had. And so it got to the point I was wearing this now, Keep in mind, this is 1983. I got married in 1999, and I got a wife. And so my wife is like, you cannot go out looking like this. I said, well, honey, I love this sweatshirt. This is my sweatshirt. I've had this for so many years. And so I don't know how it is if you have a significant other or a partner in your life. You know how you have it one day, and you're wearing it, and then the next day it kind of disappears? I love that thing. It was so comfortable to me. It was a possession that I loved, and I had that on all the time. But my wife told me, I put that thing in the trash, and you better not go get it out. That's a simple possession that I have. When we think about the greatest possessions that we have, we do things about homes and cars, but it could be anything to us. And on the surface of it, there's nothing wrong with it but whether it's big or small does that keep us back from having a relationship with god we find out here in this particular text that jesus is making his way toward jerusalem and he had did some teaching about possessions for example a few chapters earlier in chapter 10 he had told the 70 had commissioned them don't take any bag don't take your tunic or don't do anything, but you are to go out into the city and you are to greet others in the name of Jesus. There are some that will not greet you, and but you will do the work of God. And sure enough, they had went and they had performed miracles and they ran back to Jesus telling Jesus, look what we have done. They did it with nothing. And Jesus was so proud of them for what they had done and told them, you will do even greater things. He had told about the Good Samaritan. And he also had taught about the friend at midnight that if someone comes to your door, do not refuse them. Give them something. He also told them not to be fearless. I mean, to be fearless. Don't fear those who can kill the body. Fear those who can kill the soul. And yet, right after that, we find out that this particular text that was read for you this morning is normally called the parable of the rich fool. And so as Jesus was out here teaching in the middle of the crowd, someone came to him and said, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. And that was not uncommon. We have seen that in other places within the biblical text. And on the face of it, we probably want to do the same thing. If I had an inheritance that was coming to me, and I had a piece of it, and know a piece of it was for me, I wanted my piece. Nothing wrong with that. But it seems like Jesus had seen, with this particular person, their intent. So Jesus says to him, friend, who am I to be a judge or arbiter over you? Life does not consist of abundance of possessions. And then he went on to tell the story of the rich man. Now, apparently this rich man had it going on, had storehouses of grain and many goods. The text does not tell us whether he worked for this himself or he had somebody working for him to obtain all this. The text doesn't tell us whether he was, this was inherited to him or whether he was a self-styled man himself. But we do know the text tells us that he had a whole lot going on. He was probably someone that if we had seen him, no matter where we are, we thought we want to be like him. Oh, I wish I had as much grain or as many goods as he had. Or maybe like it is today. We wish we had the house and the car and the three kids and the dog and the white picket fence. Or maybe we want to be the self-styled millionaires within our lives, that we want to own the companies and be the heads of corporations and do whatever it is. I have a theory that all of us, either we have a possession or there's something that attracts our eyes so much that we will do anything to get it. But yet, going back to the parable, the man who was satisfied with everything that he had sat there and thought, instead of giving this stuff away or doing something with it, what I will do is I will tear down the barns that I already have, and I will build bigger ones to store everything that I have, and I will eat, drink, and be merry." Our friend thought he had a lot of time left on his hands. But yet God had something different for him. God told him that your very life will be demanded of you this evening. Little did he know, and little do we know, the possessions that we have within our lives. Now, I want to tell you something. There's nothing wrong with having possessions. Now, obviously, we work for something, right? We work to have houses and cars and good schools and everything. So it's nothing wrong with having all that. But there is a little bit of something when we put that above our relationship with God and when we put all that above how we should be using the resources that God has given all of us. There was an article a few years ago and it's called the 21 surprising statistics that reveal how much stuff we really own here in America. The LA Times had a stat that there are over 300,000 items in the average American home. Did you know that? New York Times Magazine has a statistic that says the average size of the American home has nearly tripled in size over the past 50 years and yet still one out of every 10 Americans rent off-site storage, the fastest-growing segment of the commercial real estate industry over the past four decades. And I don't know where you live, but even in Morganton and, and some other place I've been, if I'm driving sometimes going back from my home from Garner to Morganton, all I see what they're building are new storage sites, safe storage. And I'm thinking, we have so much stuff that we have, can't even keep it in our home. We have to go to another storage space to keep everything. A stat from UCLA, 3.1% of the world's children live in America, but they own 40% of the toys that are consumed globally. And British research found out that the average 10-year-old owns 238 toys but plays with only 12 on a daily basis. The last stat I have for you, Americans spend more on shoes, jewelry, and watches, which is about $100 million, $100 billion, than on higher education, according to psychology today. We own a lot. But do what, how do we use what we have? We have so much within our lives that sometimes what we try to do is we try to hoard it instead of trying to use it for the benefit of Of others and not only for the benefit of others but the benefit of knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ we have forgotten what it means in a society in which we live in is that whoever has the most is the winner but we have forgotten about those who don't have we have forgotten in a sense what it means to be a servant of Jesus Christ by those things that may keep us back from having a true relationship with our beloved, no matter where they are. All we have to do is to turn on the TV and see what's going on in other lands. Wait a minute, not in other lands. We have to turn on the TV and see what's going on here in this country. We find out that the things that we have, we use for our own benefit, but yet, I do believe that this parable is letting us know that don't forget about God. God has blessed you with an abundance of things. But sometimes we want to be like the Israelites who were making their way out of. Slavery to the freedom. For, to freedom. And, and we find out, as many of you may know the story, that they had nothing to eat. They were complaining to God for something, and then manna and quails. And God even told them, take enough manna for this day. And if you don't do that, you'll see what happens. But more pe- people started to take more than what they needed, and it started to rot when they woke up the next day. We, we find out sometimes we forget about God. We forget about what God has done for us we forget about how everybody that I know of, and maybe people that you know of too, everybody was not born with a silver spoon in their mouth. Everybody was not born with central heat in their home. Many of my relatives, and maybe some of your relatives, you remember, my mother used to tell me I was lucky to have a new pair of tough skins when I was growing up. Because my mother then wore clothes that were hand-me-downs when they were growing up. We forget about what God has done for us, and most often we forget about others. But yet we're called to understand, even through this parable today, that everything that we have and everything that we own is a gift to us, that we are called to be stewards of God's graciousness and goodness and resources that God has given us. We are called to acknowledge what God has done, is doing And will do for our lives. And we are called to share what we have with others. We are called today away from hoarding what God has given us. But we are called to share that with others. And most of all, we're called to be faithful to the call of God within our lives. That is where we are today. There's a quote by the theologian Martin Luther, and it says this, I have held many things in my hands, and I have lost them all. But whatever I have placed in God's hands, that I still possess. I pray that as you continue to live your lives, as we continue to gain and lose some of the things that we have been given, I pray that whatever God has blessed you with, that you may be a blessing to somebody else, that you may not take what we have for granted, but everything that we have is a gift, whether it's big or whether it's small, whether you have $10 in a bank or whether you have investments that you can even count. I pray that as you go forth from here today, you may know that God loves you, that God walks with you, and that everything that you have received is a true gift and whether it's the house and the car or whether it's the child or, or whether it's your relationship or whether it's your job or all the degrees that you have received i pray like martin luther that you have gained some things and you have lost it all but may you always remember that god possesses you within your life And that whatever you receive, to give thanks for what you've been given, and may you be able to return that tenfold back to God and God's people within the world. If you would like more information about Unity Presbyterian Church, please visit our website at www.unitypres.org or visit us on Facebook. This is the Unity Presbyterian Church podcast. Have a great week.